Now, as the country continues to mark 16 days against gender violence, another gender-based problem where men in top leadership positions wield their power abusively against women seems to be rearing its head. In a recently launched campaign called Not Our Leaders, gender activists say that political representatives' ability to improve women and men's uh, and children's lives is compromised when they appoint abusive men to positions of power. Joining us on the line to talk to about uh, about this is uh, Lisa Vetten, a uh, uh, gender violence specialist. A very good morning to you, Lisa, and welcome. Good morning, Alice. Thank you. Uh, tell us briefly about your campaign, hashtag Not Our Leaders, and how it advances the fight uh, against uh, uh, violence against women and children. Our campaign was intended to focus on bringing to the fore abuse by political representatives as well as in our political structures and institutions. We want to focus on this both because obviously our political representatives make laws, um, and if they are abusive, what will that mean for the kind of law and policy they develop? They pass budgets. So again, if, you're not, if you are opposed to problems of violence against women, you might not give sufficient money to a department to do work around it. And also, I think we're in an, in an environment where there are real targets being set to try and improve women's political representation and participation. But if you're in an environment, in a legislature, where there is abuse and harassment, and obviously it's going to make it very difficult for you to be an effective politician. Mm-hmm. Also, this campaign is also intended to address increase women's political participation as well by making the environment more receptive. Now, it seems like it's an extensive campaign to expose sexual harassment, especially by people in very powerful political positions. Why is it so important to expose this form of gender-based violence at that level? I think, as I said, there's a, there's a, the one reason is, of course, the, the power that our, that our politicians hold in order to make laws and affect people's lives. But the other, and I think because of that power, it has to be, it has to be managed and wielded very carefully. And when you use it to abuse, clearly you are abusing your power. I think first one of the, this makes this kind of abuse very close to a form of corruption. Mm. Because what one often sees is that you're abusing your position in order to demand sexual favors, in order to offer jobs, in order to offer promotion, um, and then you're also abusing your position in order to have others cover up what you're doing. So you never get held to account for your conduct. So we've also tried to say that actually we need to see this as a form of corruption up there with all the other forms of corruption that we're currently discussing in the state at the moment. Well, we've seen lately in the last couple of days that the, the issue of quasi came to the fore again. But tell us about some of the high-profile cases that have come mm-hmm. to your attention regarding this problem. I think... You know, what, that, that's one of the issues that struck us when we were doing the research and putting this campaign together, is there are more cases out there than we, than we know. But why is it that only a few cases actually get us upset? Why is it that only Manana got everybody tweeting and angry and marching and waving their placards at court when there were at least another 10 cases that we identified as having happened this year? And some of these are, for instance, the, the one... The individual that we identified has cost with George Antimunye, who is a manager at the municipal legislature. I mean, his particular sexual harassment started back in 1998 as one of the, the JS Morocco municipality. It went on for three years. Up until 2015, the municipality was still being sued by Mr. Matavela Mashangu, and he had cost the municipality over three and a half million rand. Hmm. In the meantime, he'd moved on to other municipalities. He'd also been suspended for 10-day irregularities. 
where his mismanagement of municipalities had led to the particular municipalities being placed under administration. But in each instance, all that's happened is that he has been um, voted every time. I mean, he's had to face sexual harassment charges, and this is pattern we saw across a number of other cases. All that's happened is he has resigned, and then the municipality appears to have settled and given very generous um, settlement packages. So it's reported that in one instance he got 5 million rand in a settlement. But we saw other cases, for instance, the CEO, the former CEO, Vicasa, in November, um, the Minister of Communication seems to settle with him because, again, he resigned, rather than face a disciplinary inquiry, settled for just under a million rand. And we saw some of the cases happening in six municipalities. Again, sexual harassment, disciplinary inquiry recommended, the manager concerned said he would resign, and the mayor was trying to push that he receive a 600,000 rand settlement package. So that's something that needs to be camped down on because there are actual provisions in our law that say that if somebody resigns in order to escape a disciplinary inquiry, that needs to be reported to the MEC and minister, and they shouldn't be taken on in another position. It's quite clearly that's being ignored. Is our legislation extensive enough, though, to protect women from sexual harassment? I don't think so. We picked up some problems that are very specific to those who work in municipalities and legislatures and the public service. So there's some areas we need to address there. For instance, there is no, at this point, specific legislation addressing um, staff in legislatures, like our parliaments, from MPs. That's a very important gap that we have to address. There's also nothing in the MP's ethics or code of conduct that says this is behavior that is unacceptable and that their position should be taken from their position, for instance. So those are areas that we really do need to focus on going forward. Mm -hmm. Should society be more proactive? And and what else needs to happen to fight and successfully eradicate sexual harassment, especially at that level? I think we need to be far more vigilant and much more responsive. To go back to a question I raised at the beginning, why was it that this year we only got upset about the doozy banana? When at this point in time, there's actually a case, for instance, in um, Winterfeld involving a local councillor who has four charges of rape against him. Why has there, there been no treating and activism around that? Why is that particular individual still in his position? You know, because I spoke again about the abuse of power. Well, it actually is, is, it damages our politics in order to have this accepted. This great gap of what you can call hypocrisy. Because on the one hand, you have politicians speaking up during the 16 days, making all these wonderful speeches, talking about healthy in how abuse needs. To, I need to speak out and stop abuse now, and yet this is their behaviour at the same time. So it actually undermines our campaign. It says there's one set of rules for us and another set of rules for everybody else. You know, you cannot effectively address violence when you have that hypocrisy at the heart. Lisa, thank you so much for your time and joining us on the line. Thank you, Elvis. Now, that was gender violence specialist Lisa Vettin.